All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Drew Remke, and I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer Al Ain. And this is my last sermon to preach here. And so this week has been an interesting one as I've been preparing for this and thinking about the last five years of the Lord's faithfulness in this church, right? Five years ago, I remember sitting with Blaine Boyd and Kelly Boyd and, my, and Jordan, and as we sat in someone's living room and talked about and heard about people's want and desire for seeing a, a new church, a new work started here that would just be proclaiming the Word of God over and over again. And as we agreed to move my family from Oman and Blaine from Dubai, we had no idea the blessing that it would be having the chance to serve this community. But no idea the ways we would see the Lord move in countless ways just over and over and over again, right? We had no idea how receptive even the community would be that, you know, the, the, the church congregation accepted and received us. We were able to get visas, and they were looking for a place to meet, but there wasn't a space or a time for us to meet here. The hotels had the raw book, so we started meeting out in the sand dunes, and then by February it was too hot, you know, so we're looking around for where we're going to go. And um, we said, hey, what about at the municipality, the Baladia? And we asked them, and they said, well, why don't you go ask Islamic Affairs, if that's okay, then you can meet here. So we asked Islamic Affairs, and they were like, well, that's interesting. I, uh, and we talked to them, we had lots of cups of coffee, and they said, yeah, sure, that's okay with us. So we go back to the municipality, we said, Islamic Affairs said it was okay with them. And they're like, huh, all right, great submitted the paperwork, and we're like, I can't believe it. We're going to get to start a church in the municipality, you know, the theater. But of course, the paperwork went to Abu Dhabi, and they said, no, you can't start a church in a government building. So it was like, oh, okay. But it was a sign of, wait, there's going to be just favor that kind of came along, and that as we, you know, begin this, you know, meeting together and seeing this church form, you know, one of the stories that I'm resisting the urge to spend the entire night talking about are, are, are ones that maybe just aren't for the stage, but are ones of the way that people rallied around one another as a church family. That when people were sick, when people had family members die, or when marriages were struggling and seeing the church do what it could to love people, to see those things, people be healed and people to, to walk through these things, right? Just seeing them being family together. I remember a couple months ago, I took one of our kind of long-term members to the airport as he was leaving the country. And I asked him, I said, so what's your, what are some of your favorite memories of the UAE? And he said to me, he goes, you know, Pastor, the UAE was difficult for me. You know, my, my job was hard and I wasn't always treated well, but my good memories were always the church. The way that I was loved by the people in the church. He talked simply about one guy when he had when he had left his job and he didn't have a place to stay, and he said, no, you can stay here and give him a bed space for a couple of months and shared his food with him while he looked for a new opportunity. He said, he became a brother to me. And I didn't know him before this church. And seeing that happen again and again was so incredible. But not just that, but there were so many celebrations that I've seen within this church. And our, when, we had the, when we had the villa, you know, we'd have these these parties, these celebrations for people's baptisms. Did you know those 40 to 50 people that were baptized in the front yard of that villa? And afterwards, 
we'd have, you know, sometimes we'd order pizza, and other times we would have these potlucks, and you'd, you're always just new coming in. You're like, man, this is going to be so great to celebrate life in this baptism, but I really hope Ate Noah brings some pancit. And I really hope that maybe Isaac will fry some plantains. And I really hope that Susan will bake some goods. And that was just life of being a family together that I will never forget. And some of these foods now tie connotations in my head to you guys that have been family to us in the past five years. And we're thankful. And just to think about the beautiful way that we saw people come into life, people from Ghana and Uganda and the UK and Sudan and Pakistan and the Philippines and Cuba and so many other countries seeing life birthed in there. That there's a special cherishing that I am praying for you guys and excited about what the Lord is going to do in the future with this church. And the ability to get to be a part of it and have a front row seat is a blessing that I will always treasure. So thank you. So today, uh, I'm not just going to tell stories, even though that's a temptation. Today, we're actually going to open up God's Word, and we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. So we had just finished, you know, the, the study in the book of Genesis. And so Deuteronomy is the last of the, you know, the five books of Moses, the last books of the Pentateuch, the, the, the book of the law. And we're going to see two big things here. One, which is, the blessing that comes from obedience and the curse that comes from disobedience. So the blessing and the curse that comes from obedience and disobedience. And so we're going to really kind of focus on the first 19 verses of chapter 28, and then I'll kind of give us a recap of, of or a kind of a, you know, just a brief overview of what happens in the rest of the chapter after that. But you guys can go ahead and, and turn there, but before you do, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we pray for this night that, Lord, as we go to your word, Lord, that you would stir our hearts. Lord, that we would want to be people that are obedient to you. That we would pursue you, Lord, with all that we have. And that you would be glorified in us. Glorify your name, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so let's, how do we get here, right? I mean, you guys probably haven't read straight through the Old Testament in a while to see where do we get here in Israel's history to get to Deuteronomy 28. So Moses, right, he had led the people out of Egypt after they were slaves, and they were lost in the desert or wandering in the desert for, for 40 years. And as they were, you know, wandering around, you know, they they come to the point now where they're just about to cross over to the promised land. Right? They, are, they are in the, the plains of, of Moab, and they're, they're getting ready to cross over. But before Moses dies, he's giving this kind of proclamation to his people of like, this is the covenant the Lord has set before you. This is what it means to follow the Lord. And he's, he's giving them this, almost like this recap, this reminder of the way that their lives are supposed to be just before he dies a couple chapters after this. And so as he's kind of Moses is kind of his swan song, it's, um, you know, it's just this, this call of obey the covenant the Lord has given you. 
So that's what we're going to get into today, right? Obeying the Mosaic Covenant and seeing what will happen. So let's start here with uh, verse 1. The blessing, right? This is the part, the good part. We want to start with a blessing. Verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. If you faithfully obey. This is the condition of the blessings. Faithful obedience, right? This is what they're being asked of, to be faithfully obedient. It says, and if they do, they're going to be set on high, right? They're going to be set above the nations of the earth. This is a communal blessing. This is for all of their people, right? They, they would be set on high as like God's chosen people if they faithfully obeyed him. And it says that this blessing will come and it will overtake them. Now, this is an interesting use of the word, overtake, right? Like, we use the word overtake, like if you're driving to Abu Dhabi and there's somebody going slow in front of you, right? They're not quite going 160, so you have to overtake them to get around them, right? It's like you're coming up from behind to get, to get around someone. It's like when you, when you pass somebody up. Or we use overtake is like if an animal is hunting its prey and it comes up from behind and it overtakes them. This is like a, you know, really it's like coming up on them, right? Like it pounces on them. Now, it's interesting that the blessings will overtake them because it's not that they're striving for the blessings, right? It's coming up upon something. So it says in, in obedience, like the blessings would come from behind. So what, what, I, what I was thinking through that is I was like, man, like when you're pursuing something, you're not overtaken by it. You're pursuing something else. Right? So this was a call to saying, hey, pursue the Lord and his blessings would, be, would overtake you. If you were pursuing blessings, then you're actually not pursuing the Lord. Right? You're pursuing the blessings and essentially you're trying to serve yourself. So this call of obedience is one of a call to pursue the Lord above anything else. Right? So if that's, I mean, have you ever see yourself pursuing the blessings more than the Lord, then maybe just take time to stop and repent of that. Verse 3 starts with a set of beatitudes, six blessings that are to establish their obedience that will overflow into all areas of their life. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Right, these are two major segments of life, the city and the country. So this is all-encompassing. Everyone in every sphere will be blessed. God's blessings will be everywhere. Verse 4, Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. So here, the fruit of their wombs, their children will be blessed. The blessings would extend through the generation. The fruit of the ground will be blessed. This means the farms and the gardens would produce like a poor crop could ruin a country, like we saw in in Genesis. But here they're promised there'll be fruitfulness in the ground. Cattle and the livestock will be fruitful. It's also like their animals will multiply. A man's wealth is often measured with how many animals that he has. This is God's provision that's coming to them. Then blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Right? The basket is like what you take to your market. 
right? It's where you go to carry, either you go to the market or you go to your garden. It's like how you carry your things. Your basket will be blessed. And your kneading bowl. That's like where you would be making your bread. It's like this is what is sustaining to you so that that which sustains you will be blessed. And then blessed shall you go when you go, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The in and the out, the city and the field, this comprehensive blessing is promised. And the Lord causes your enemies to rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one away and flee before you seven ways. So this is a comprehensive blessing that also goes into the political sphere as well. There are political enemies, there are armies that are coming against them. And also they would be defeated seven ways. That means they would go in every direction after they were defeated in army. They're, they're in, the, you know, in a military, you know, clash. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you and in your barns and all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Blessing on the barns, once again, that's fruitfulness. Blessing the land that he's giving you. So here's the connection with that land that's on the other side of the Jordan River. They're there looking at, right? He's connecting this land blessing to, like, this physical blessing that's coming upon them. He's, he's kind of focusing their minds like this is going to be a rich blessing if we are faithfully obedient to the father so the lord will keep you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you if you keep his commandments of the lord your god and walk in his ways he's going to do just as he promised if they keep his commands and walk in his ways and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and I should be afraid of you. This statement, all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. I can't help but to think back to the promises uh, to Abraham in Genesis 12, that they were to be God's people. He says, I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great, so you'll be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is, again, this is God's going to proclaim his name through these people across the whole earth, <clears throat> not just for them in Canaan, but the whole earth would know of the Lord because of them. And when we experience physical blessings, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that all the people of the earth would know Yahweh. So these physical blessings, right, should also point people to the Lord. That's really what you know, we're receiving these blessings, they should point people to him. Like this is, he's like, I'm going to bless you in all these ways, and then people are going to know the Lord because of them. When we experience physical blessings in our own life, do we see them as a way to help others, to point them towards the greatness of God or point towards the Lord? That should be our, our kind of direction that we receive these things in. <clears throat> and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your livestock, and the fruit of, your, of the ground, with the land the, the Lord swore to your fathers to give to you. The Lord would open up his good treasury in the heavens to give you the rain of your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Once again, financial blessings to faithful. And now we're closing out the blessings section. Where it says, and the Lord will make, your head, make you the head and not the tail, you shall go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them, and if you do not turn aside from any of the words I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods or to serve them. The head leads, the tail follows, right? 
they would be the head. They would be leading if, if they obey the commands of the Lord. Now, this would be a great place we could, like, end the sermon here, right? This would be like, you, oh, man, that's, all these blessings could come, right? This would be fantastic. And you know, I had this vision in my head of, like, man, what if they were like, okay, great, we'll do it. You know, and it's like a Disney movie, and, like, Moses gives a thumbs up and a wink, and then he kind of, then he dies, and then the people go into the land, and it was like the blessings shower down, like bread's, like, falling from the sky, and people are dancing in the streets, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, they, they're going to be obedient. They're going to follow the Lord. But what do you think Moses expected? Moses is saying, these are the blessings that will come to you if you're obedient to the Father. Now, they had been together for 40 years. Moses knew these people. He knew them well. He remembers going toe-to-toe with Pharaoh and the plagues coming and then walking them out through the Red Sea, through the dry ground, right, protecting them, and then going up onto the mountain to meet with the Lord and coming back to see that they had fashioned a golden calf that they could worship. He remembers protecting them from the armies of Pharaoh and the people to be in the desert and grumble about the kind of food they had to eat and said they wish they were just slaves back in Egypt again. And time and time again, he remembers that these people struggled to faithfully obey the Lord. Yet I'm always encouraged by Moses' ability to lead the people of God, serving, giving all that he had, knowing that, man, probably these people are going to come short again. Probably people are going to struggle with obedience again. Yet he would continue to serve the Lord and trust in his sovereignty in it all. See, chapter 28 doesn't end here at the end of the blessings. That's not it, right? Actually, the, the blessings only make up 20% of the chapter of chapter 28. The rest of the chapter is full of curses, full of the curses that will come that do not obediently follow the Lord. Many of them horribly graphic. So let's look at the curses of disobedience. <clears throat> I won't read them all, but we'll let's first let's read 15 through 19. But Right? It's always important. We see that in your Bible to say, okay, but this is a make you pause and say, all right, this is the opposite side of what we've been talking about. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all the commandments and all the statutes that I command today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. This is the opposite, right? If you don't do it, these curses shall overtake you. It's like the animal coming up from behind his prey. If we're not obedient, then these, things, these curses will come upon us. 16. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out totality of the blessing becomes totality of the curse. The in and the out, the city and the field, this is for everyone. It's not like a middle ground, okay, where it's like, well, if you don't, then it won't be as good. 
or there'll be some bad parts. It's like a totality of the curse that comes from not being obedient to the Lord. So the rest of the chapter is kind of broken up into five major sections of curses. So I'll just give you kind of a, over, kind of just a little overview of each one. Section 1 is verse 20 through 26, and it says that famine and disease will come. They'll be defeated in war. Uh, it says the heavens, you know, over your head will be bronze and the earth iron. That's kind of like it can be here, right, where the sky is like brown because it doesn't rain, and then the earth becomes hard. Like you can't live in those situations. And so then it says that you'll only be defeated in war, but be, their body would be food for the birds. Like this is like an insult in battle. They won't just lose in battle, but it'll be an insult from their enemies. Section 2, verse 27 to 37. says your body and your mind will be cursed. They'll be struck with boils like, like in Egypt. And, you know, there'll be madness, confusion of mind that would come to them. It says they'll be driven mad by the sights that they see. It's like when you watch a news, you know, reel of like, something as tragic has happened and they try to like interview somebody on the streets and the person can't even put their words together because of the magnitude of what they've seen it's he's talking about it's like that section 3 38 through 48 economic ruin will come locusts will be destroyed their fields plants won't grow the worms will eat their vineyards their children will be taken away into captivity another sign of wealth their children will be taken away They'll be so poor, they'll have to borrow money from travelers, and then these travelers would essentially own them. And then Moses reminds him of why, 45 through 47. So let's read 45 through 47. And all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. It's not just because they didn't obey the Lord that they were overtaken, but because they did not serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Sometimes we think that God was giving these laws to the Jews, and he wanted something different than he wants today. But God is unchanging, right? The desire for the people on the plains of Moab is not any different than the desire for his people today, that he wants us to trust in him, to serve him with joyfulness and gladness of heart. The Lord wants your hearts. Section 4 describes what will happen when they're subjected under the other nations. It will be besieged, and it's going to result in terrible, terrible suffering. Verse 54 says, The man who is the most tender and refined among you will be grudge food to his brother, to the wife he embraces, and to the last of the children to whom he has left, so that he will not give any of them any of the flesh of his children whom he's eating, because he has nothing else left. This is how terrible it's talking about that there will be so much destruction that the people would be resulting to even eating their children. And it's not like this is the beggar in the street, but like the refined people, the, the high society people. This is how much destruction would be coming upon them. Total destruction and curses coming their way. Fifth, 
Imagine, right, this is Moses is about to die telling them, this is what's going to happen. So they would be uprooted from the promised land. So they would be scattered among the peoples of the earth. And they would be sort of worshiping other gods. And the climax is verse 68. And the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt. A journey that I promised that you should never make again. That therefore you shall suffer yourselves for you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies, male and female slaves, but there would be no buyer. In conclusion, they were going to return all the way back to Egypt. That's where they started, right? They'd been wandering for 40 years, escaping Egypt. And he says, you don't obey me, you're going to go right back. And in this time, instead of going through the parted sea, following the Lord, you're going back on ships across to be sold as slaves, except for this time, Nobody's even going to want you as a slave. Wow. That's pretty heavy. Right? Moses is calling them, hey, repent. Be obedient to the Lord. (coughs) And like I said, I think Moses knew what to expect. And in the next chapter, he says, the Lord has not given them a heart or to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. And we could walk away from this and be pretty discouraged, right? Man, it's hard to obey the Lord. And the curse is, is, is pretty heavy. And Moses is, and it is so heavy, that's thing is why he's four times as much spent on the curse as the blessing. But on this side of the cross, something really clear, really miraculous, really amazing that we need to look at. Because it is a curse to live under the law, but there was one who became a curse to be our blessing. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 through 14, is what I want you guys to take, to hold, to memorize. Verses 10 through 14 says this, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. And here, 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to all the Gentiles, or come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Cursed be everyone who does not but abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them, right? That's, that's Deuteronomy. But Christ is our Redeemer. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. 
So if you believe that by your good works you're going to receive the mercy of God, then we warn you are under a curse. You are under the law. But by trusting in the Lord, by trusting in Christ's work, we can be free from that. Because Christ came, he died on the cross. He was the sacrifice for us if we trust in him. He made us right before God once more. Church, as I prepare to move on to what the Lord calls us to next, my hope is that you will hold on to Christ in all things. Knowing that blessings come from the Lord through Christ Jesus, that he is our biggest blessing in life. We serve him joyfully with gladness of heart. If we haven't turned to Jesus, don't live a life under the curse. Repent of our sins and turn to Jesus. Because he is the one who became the curse. And that is our greatest blessing. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, Lord, we praise you Lord, that you sent your son, Christ Jesus, that he would become the curse for us. And that through him, the blessing of Abraham might come to us. That we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Lord God, let us be people that take that seriously. Glorify yourself through us, Lord Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.